0: Well, today is Back to Church Sunday, and let me tell you what that is. All over the country, and really in other nations as well, uh, churches are celebrating this day. It's it's known as National Back to Church Sunday, but it's really international because, as I said, other churches uh, in other countries, rather, are are marking this day as well. Now, technically, this is still summer, right? For about another week, it's still summer season. But for all practical purposes, we know that summer is over. It's been over for a couple of weeks or more. Because the kids are back in school, summer vacations are just a memory, and we're all settling into a fall routine, So, Back to Church Sunday is an opportunity for all of us to include getting back into the routine of going to church or coming to church as part of our fall routine. So, welcome. As I said, churches all over the country are marking this day. Using the theme, as you saw in the video, the theme is, You Belong Here. You belong here. And it's a great theme because it reminds us that we're part of something bigger than us. When we join a church family, we're joining something bigger than just us, by ourselves. And not just something bigger, but we're part of the one thing that will keep our lives intact, will keep our lives protected from attacks, from, uh, from the enemy, from outside forces. Because Jesus said that He would build His church, and He said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so this is what we're inviting you to to be a part of. You belong here. You belong in in a church. You belong in a church family. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about David. David the psalmist. David the king in the Old Testament. And uh, my message today is David and the giant. Now I know when I say that, David and the giant, then you're probably thinking, oh, I, I know this story. It's about David and Goliath. And David... He killed Goliath with one stone. He had five stones, but he only used one. And he had a slingshot, and he killed him, and he cut his head off. You know, I know that story. It's a great story. Well, that's not the story. Sorry. This is a different story. It's a different giant. The same David, but a different giant. And so let's read today in your Bible, Second Samuel 21. If you're following along on your um, Version app on your phone, the notes will be there. Second Samuel twenty-one, beginning with verse fifteen. Here's what we read: Once again, there was a battle between the Philistines and Israel. David went down with his men to fight against the Philistines, and he became exhausted. How many of you know what it feels like to be not just tired but to be exhausted? Is anybody exhausted this morning? Okay, if I hear a loud thump, I'll just we'll just let you there. That'll be you falling over probably, but. Uh, I'll try to keep you awake. He became exhausted. And Ishbi benob one of the descendants of Repha. In other words, he was a giant. Uh, he, he was from a tribe of, of giants. Uh, a, a group of people that lived in, in Canaan in the promised land. Whenever the, the Israelites entered the promised land, they had to dispossess it of many nations. And among those groups of people was, was a group of, of giants. And so... Uh, Ishbi Binab, one of the descendants of Repha, whose bronze spearhead weighed 300 shekels and who was armed with a new sword, said he would kill David. But uh, Abishai, son of Zeruiah, came to David's rescue. He struck the Philistine down and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, saying, Never again will you go out with us to battle <clears throat> excuse me, to battle so that the lamp of Israel will not be extinguished. So, as I said, we all know the story of David and Goliath. Goliath is a, the giant that David killed. But this was another giant. He was also a giant. His name was Ishbi Binab, and he was a giant that David couldn't kill. He killed one giant, but he couldn't kill this one, and this one was about to kill him and would have killed him if not for another soldier, another warrior who wasn't as well-known as David, and he wasn't as, uh, as uh, experienced as David. In fact, uh, scholars say that he was actually David's nephew. He was a young man, didn't have the experience, didn't have the, the knowledge as far as uh, strategy. But he ended up coming to David's aid, and he saved David from being killed by Ishbi Benab. This is the same David that had killed Goliath, and now he's almost killed by a lesser opponent. And the reason we know and believe that this was a lesser opponent is because the Bible tells us that his spearhead weighed uh, 300 shekels, and Goliath's spearhead weighed twice as much. So Goliath was probably a bigger giant. This is a smaller man, still a giant. A lesser opponent, but he almost killed David at a time when David was most vulnerable. He was physically exhausted. And how many of you know that when you're physically exhausted, you can also be mentally, emotionally worn out and you're not at your best? How many people have uh, been in, in automobile accidents because they were physically exhausted and they weren't able to stay awake or just weren't alert enough to avoid an accident? So... Uh, he was almost killed. This great warrior, this lamp of Israel, was almost killed. But someone came to his aid. So as we look at this story, I want us, I want us to, to see what lessons we can draw out for us today as we consider this theme of, you belong here. You belong in the church. First of all, we see in verse 15, the story starts with, once again, once again, there was a battle between the Philistines and Israel. Now what that immediately tells me is that we have an enemy, the devil, and our enemy, the devil, is always on the war path looking to defeat us. The Bible says that he's like a, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's walking around looking to destroy, to defeat us. Once again, there was a battle between the Philistines and Israel. And if you know anything about the history of the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, you know that many of their battles were against the Philistines. In fact, when David killed Goliath, Goliath was a Philistine hero. He was a Philistine. So he he killed Goliath at that time. And then the Israelites routed all the Philistines. They won that battle. But there were other battles. And it just seems like the Philistines kept coming back. They kept coming back. Uh, They never seem to give up. Now, Satan, I think this is a reminder for us that that Satan has a way of always coming at us from different angles, uh, from different directions, with different strategies. In fact, the Bible says that Ishbi Binab came at David with a new sword. It was a, a sword that had never been used before. And uh, some translations of the Bible say he came at him with new armor, which, of course, would, would include a, a new sword. And so this is a new sword. I think this had David's name written, a, written on it. I think this was, this was forged for the singular purpose of killing David. A new sword, not one that had been tried before, not one that had been used before, something different, a new strategy. That's how Satan always works. If something doesn't work against us, He'll try a different sword he'll try a different idea he'll try a different strategy he'll try to get us through a different person through a, a different angle now you may have giants in your life things that Satan tries to use you to, to keep or to, to use to keep you in bondage to a sinful habit or keep you in bondage to a destructive relationship or maybe to to keep you in bondage to a self defeating negative attitude and whatever these giants may be one thing is certain is that they're going to keep coming back different sword different armor but they'll keep coming back to try to defeat you now you may have had some success in the past dealing with these giants you may have been de- you may be dealing with a certain sinful habit and you may have had some success in the past with that but if you allow yourself to become vulnerable then Satan will come back a different way. So here's what we have to remember. That even though we've had success with some of these giants in our lives in the past, here's what we have to remember. Here's a rub. Here's a difficulty. Here's what we've got to keep in mind. That we cannot live on past accomplishments. We can't live on past accomplishments. Past successes don't guarantee present victories. David, would you say he was successful against Goliath? I mean, he killed this giant. who was mocking David. He was mocking all of Israel. He killed this giant with one stone. He slays him. And then he goes and he takes the giant's sword, which must have been a pretty heavy sword. And he cuts his head off. And then he, listen to this, he grabs the head of Goliath. Can you see him just grabbing the head and he walks into town carrying this head? I don't know if he carried it like this or like this, but it must have been quite a sight to see this this young man walking into town with the head, only the head of this warrior, the great hero of the Philistines. I would say, well, that's pretty successful. That was pretty, pretty outstanding what David did. But in spite of that great victory... He was still in a position of vulnerability because of his exhaustion. His victory over, over Goliath didn't help him. It didn't help him as he faced Ishbibinab. That he was a, a very experienced and intelligent warrior. Because he had been fighting for years. Didn't help him. Ishbi this this other giant, wasn't interested in what David had done in the past. He wanted to know, what can you do right now? Goliath was dead, but ish Binab was very much alive and uh, he didn't care that David had killed Goliath. David's reputation didn't help him at this time. His reputation as a lamp of Israel, his, 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 his men called him the lamp of Israel. His reputation as a mighty warrior, his reputation among the nation. They, they would sing about David, uh, Saul, the previous king. Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. His ten thousands. Well, that didn't help him here. He would have died if someone had not intervened in this situation. Because Satan is not impressed with our past victories. I mean, if he he loses a battle against us, he'll just lick his wounds, as it were, and he'll come back at us. You may have found... A godly Christian companion to marry, and things are well. But Satan says, you know what? I can break that marriage up. I know how to do that. You may have gained a victory over a sinful habit. Or maybe an immoral lifestyle. And and you're on the right track. You're moving in the right direction. You're taking steps toward what God has for you. Toward the image of Jesus. But Satan says, "I, I can pull him back into his sin. I know how to tempt her. I can, I can drag her back into her lifestyle. You may have a wonderful family. You enjoy spending time together with your family, your children, your cousins, whomever. You have a wonderful family, but Satan says, I can, I can tear them apart. I can get them at each other's throats. I know how to do this. He won't give up. We have to daily, daily seek God's help and God's direction. We, we can't allow ourselves to become vulnerable but what Satan will try to do is he'll try to attack and attack. The attacks come and they come and they come. And sometimes we wonder how much more we can take. Have you ever been there? Like, God, how much more do I have to deal with? Yesterday my wife and I were talking to somebody who, who we've known since she was a, a little girl and in our neighborhood. Neighborhood. And uh, she's an adult now. She's married with children, and uh, she was telling us some of the things she's been going through, and some of the illnesses, some of the re- re- broken relationships—not just in you know marriage, but also uh, cousins and just you know aunts, just in the family. And uh, then a grandparent got very sick, and uh, she says, "I just I don't know how much more we can take." And I said, "Yeah, no. I mean sometimes." And we were standing as it was raining. We were outside under a little awning. But it was raining outside. And I said, yeah, sometimes when it rains, it pours. You know, I I think we've all been there. And we say, God, how much more can I can take? But see, Satan Satan is counting that you'll get exhausted. That you'll get weary. You'll throw up your hands and say, I I just can't take this anymore. And I think that's where David was. Because, as I said, the Bible tells us he was exhausted. He had been fighting the Philistines. Other enemies for a long time. And he was like, I thought I'd gotten rid of the Philistines. He was tired. And he was vulnerable. And that's what happened to David. And he was at a point where he needed help. Because here's, here's the next thing I want you to remember. Is that we all need help sometimes. We all need help. Every one of us. And the church is the best place to find it. The church is the best place to find the help that we need when we're under attack, when it feels like Satan doesn't give up, when we're, when we're feeling emotionally exhausted, spiritually drained, and we just feel like giving up. And, and we're at a point where, uh, when, because we're so physically or spiritually or emotionally exhausted, then we're vulnerable to Satan's attacks. We need help. Everybody needs help at one time or another. Everybody. Every one of us. David, the mighty warrior, the lamp of Israel, would have died if it had not been for this young man who who intervened and who killed the giant for him. David, who killed the great hero of the Philistines, couldn't kill Ishbi no matter how strong we think we are. No matter how successful we've been in the past. No matter how well things are going out. We all need help sometimes. We might be in a state where we're healthy and, and everything is clicking in our lives. And the, the finances are working and the relationships are strong. And we think we're invincible. But the time will come that we need help. You know, God's plan was to build a family, and it is to build a family here on earth called the church, a spiritual family. It was to be a family that would work together to preach the gospel to every creature. But it was also to be a family that would support each other through life, and and, and thus would be able to demonstrate to the world what the love of Christ looks like. And that love of Christ among His children would give glory to God, would draw attention to God. Paul wrote to the Galatians in Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. So he's, he's giving instructions on how we deal with each other because we're part of a family. If somebody's caught in a sin, don't, don't criticize them, don't mock them, don't say, oh, that's, that's just dumb, I can't believe you did this. But he said, you should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Then he says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So we are to carry each other's burdens. When we need help, somebody will be there to carry our burden. And maybe at some point the roles will be reversed. If somebody else needs help, we can carry their burden. Why do we... Why do we say you belong here? You belong in a church family. You belong, you know, whether it's this church or another church, you belong in the family of God. Why? Why do, why do we, we belong in, in church? Why do we all belong in, in, in a spiritual family? Because we all need help sometimes. We all need help sometimes. Ecclesiastes 4, Ecclesiastes 4 9 reads like this. Two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. That is so sad to me. Pity anyone who falls and has nobody to help him or her up. And then verse 11 says, Also if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So if you're by ourselves, that's that's sad. You know, um, my wife had a an uncle, uh, Uncle Caesar. His name was uh, Cesar Ponce. We knew him as Uncle Caesar. And uh, he was a very intelligent man. He he taught at the university level. And uh, he had some great jobs over the years. And But he... He was very involved in the Boy Scouts. In fact, uh, for a time, he lived at a Boy Scout camp uh, somewhere in the hill country around Hunt. And we had a chance to visit him there. And I went to uh, uh, like a jamboree, I think that's what it was, international jamboree with him. And got to meet some, some uh, scouts from all over the world. But uh, he told us a story one time. He always had great stories. He's one of those guys that had a lot of great stories to tell. He'd just sit there and think, wow, this guy, he's been around so, he, when he was growing up, he grew up in San Antonio, he was in the Boy Scouts, but at one point, and I don't remember all the details, for some reason, he didn't have a troop, I don't know if they had just moved, or I don't know exactly what happened, his troop disbanded, he was between troops, he didn't have a troop, but he wanted to go hiking. So he put on his Boy Scout uniform with his shorts and you know everything. He had his backpack. He, 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 went, on, he went on a hike by himself. He said he was walking along a highway just by himself. He was a little kid. I mean, he wasn't too old. I don't know how they let him go out. Maybe they didn't realize he had, he had gone out. But he said he was walking down the road, and this car stopped along the side of the road. This man saw him, and he stopped. And uh, the man asked him, Son, where's your troop? And he said, sir, I have no troop. I can just see this little boy saying, sir, I have no troop. And uh, it turns out this man who had stopped, who was a, a, a congressman at that time, his name was Henry B. Gonzalez. Some of you may know about him. He has uh, great history. He was a congressman in in, the district, uh, in a district there in San Antonio. In fact, the, the convention center there in San Antonio was named after him. But, you know, he was telling the story about, you know, I didn't have anybody. I was a Boy Scout without a troop. And that's that's sad to, to be alone. Uh, but God tells us, you belong in a family where you can strengthen each other, where you can help each other, because everybody needs help sometime. When uh, It's great to see Michelle here. And, uh, of course, we've been praying for Carlos and the missing them. Uh, but when Carlos had his accident... This summer, I wasn't able to go see him in the hospital right away. And uh, Benji called me the next morning after the accident and said, hey, this is going on. I thought, oh, okay, well, okay, I'm going to see what I, I don't, And I'm not sure I'm going to handle this. I'm going to do this. You know, I was uh, actually on, on the sabbatical, you know, so I thought, well, but, you know, I need to go see him. And we, we were able to, to stop by, but I couldn't get there right away. But Mac and Betty went. They stopped by. Before I got there, and then sometime after I got there, I heard that Lino and Bernice were there. I was like, This is great. This is the way it's supposed to work. Where we hear, if there's an opportunity, we go and we help, and you know, because we're part of a spiritual family, we're part of a church family. We belong here, we belong in a church family. Now, some people might say, Well, I already have a family. I don't need the church. I've got a family. I've got my brothers and sisters, my parents, my cousins. I've got a, I've got a support group. I, I don't need the church. Well, let me give you two quick reasons why you think... And it's great that you have a strong family. This is the way that it should be. It's great that you have maybe another support group. But let me give you a couple of reasons why I think that you, you need something beyond that. Why you need a church family. Why you need to belong and, and to be involved... Not just stay on the fringes of the church life, but to be involved in a church life. Because, first of all, the church is different. You have a family. I have a family. You have support groups. You have networks. And that's great. If, if you get sick, you might have people at work who will come alongside, will bring food to your family if, if somebody is sick who can't prepare the food in the family. And, and that's all great. But the church is different. And I alluded to this earlier because uh, Jesus said... Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Will not prevail against this. So, we know that the, the attacks are going to come. But Jesus said, the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. They're, they might prevail against some other institution. They might prevail against the government. And we might say, the gates of hell are prevailing against the government. They might prevail against the schools. But they won't prevail against the church. And so as a a dad, I say, I want my kids in the church. I want them involved because that's different. That's a family that's protected by the Spirit of God against the gates of hell. And here's the last thing. Your spiritual family. You have a family. You have networks. You have support groups. But your spiritual family is the only family that will last forever. Your earthly family will eventually all pass away. Your earthly family will die. Last fall, we buried our last remaining aunt on my dad's side. My dad, his brother, and all their sisters, there were several, they're all gone now. And it was a kind of a sobering time as we talked with our cousins and we said, well, this is it. This is it. And of course, our cousins, we said, well, we need to get together. We need to plan a reunion. I don't know what will really happen. It's it's the end of that era, and uh, now you know. Now we're the grandparents. Last night we had a, an opportunity to, because Ryan was here for a couple of days, and so we went and we met at Bethany's house, and we ate together. My wife cooked some wonderful enchiladas, and uh, she 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 did most of the cooking. The girls, of course, helped with the preparation, and uh, I told her on the way home. I said. Man, those are, your food was so good. Those are great enchiladas. And she says, "Well, I've been doing that a long time." And uh, I, I started thinking because the girls were saying to her, "I heard, Beth, I heard Kelly say to my wife, uh, my enchiladas never come out like yours. You know, doing something wrong or I don't know And uh, we're talking about that, and she says, "Yeah, well, when I first started cooking, I didn't know how to cook, but now she does. I won't tell you the stories of what we ate." <laughs> I'm not gonna throw her under the bus, but uh, now, uh, now she, she's a great cook, and and the girls, our girls, are asking her, "How do you do this? How do you prepare this?" And mine doesn't come out the same. I mean, y'all know, you ladies know what I'm talking about. And I told her, "I, I wonder. I'm kind of looking ahead, and I wonder when Karis, who's four now, when she's old enough to get married and she has a family, she and she's cooking. Is she gonna call?" kelly and say mom my food doesn't come out as good as yours (laughs) maybe she'll say dad my food doesn't come out as good as yours you know the generations just generations keep cycling we'll be gone right our earthly families will end but our spiritual family will last forever and so we all have giants or giants that we can't kill We have things that, areas that we just need help in those areas. It doesn't matter what kind of help you need. You're in the right place today. You're in the right place. The the biggest help that we need, the biggest need we have, is to have our sins forgiven and our lives transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So maybe you're here today and you've... You've never given your life to the Lord. You kind of know about church. You kind of know about God. But you've never made a conscious decision to say, Lord, I give my life to you from this day forward. I want to serve you. From this day forward, my life is going to be lived for you. Today, I challenge you to make that decision. Make that decision to follow Jesus. And maybe you're not totally involved in the church. The one thing that the gates of hell cannot prevail against you're involved in other things that Satan is prevailing against Then let me encourage you you belong here get involved and stay involved there's a song that says are you hurting and broken within are you overwhelmed by the weight of your sin Jesus is calling have you come to the end of yourself do you thirst for a drink from the well Jesus is calling. If you need help today, turn to Jesus. If you need help today, then become a part of the spiritual family that God has placed on earth. Would you bow for prayer? Father, we thank you today that you sent your son to die for the church. You sent your son to die for not just for individuals, yes, for individuals, but for the church. Because you love the church. You place the church here on this earth for a purpose. To be a spiritual family that would shine your light. That would demonstrate to the world the love that you have given us, that we have for each other. But God, I know that there are people that are hurting today. They're weary. They're exhausted. And because of that, they're vulnerable, vulnerable to temptation, vulnerable to having an affair, vulnerable to cheating, vulnerable to taking shortcuts, vulnerable to engaging in sinful um, sexual habits. God, I pray that today they would know that they can find help and strength by turning to you and and by being a part of your church today we turn to you as you continue with your heads bowed your eyes closed how many of you would say today you don't have to give any details but how many of you would say today I'm exhausted I'm spiritually I'm emotionally exhausted just raise your hands anybody else yes Just raise your hand and put it back down. You're saying, I'm just, I'm tired. I need God's presence. If you need a touch from God today, let me encourage you to seek Him. God will touch you. God will raise you up. As we sing this song, I invite you to turn to Him. Would you stand as we sing?
1: within Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin Jesus is calling Have you come to the end of yourself Do you thirst for a drink from the well Jesus is calling Oh come to the altar The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Just for that